Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our very own Boom Bang, Oh My Gosh, Wow podcast, which you will find along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. But for right now, I am so happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award-winning author and a returning guest with you and one of my favorites. She is Anita Dickinson. Anita is a retired police officer with a total of 27 years of law enforcement experience, 22 with Dallas PD. She served as a patrol officer under narcotics officer and advanced accident investigator, tactical officer, and first female sniper on the Dallas SWAT team. She writes about what she knows, cops and crime. The first book she published was a nonfiction about the death of the famous witness to the Kennedy assassination. The book kick-started a new career with six fiction novels. In her debut fiction novel, Sentinels of the Night, Anita introduced a new FBI unit, the elite of the elite, Trackers. She has since added Going Gone, AU-79, and Operation Navajo. While each is a standalone, she uses a popular concept of a group of common characters. But in each novel, a different FBI tracker takes center stage. And with her other two books, she stepped away from the tracker novels, titled Not Dead, which is a paranormal suspense, and Deadly Business, which is a suspense thriller. And today, we are going to find out about her newest book, titled Deadly Keepsakes. So with that, so happy to have you back, my friend. Welcome back, Anita. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I so enjoy this sessions that we've been able to have over the years. I know. It's so funny. We meet randomly and then we just become good friends. And I very seldom share resources with people because I never know how it's going to end out. But I never fear to share you with anyone who needs help. So that's how much I put my faith in in you and your work. Well, thank you so very much for that. That is a very high compliment. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. I went over to your website before we get into your book. Let me just say that your website is stunning. I love it. It's different from the last one, and it's just captivating. I enjoy working with the website. It, uh, it allows for some creativity, and I like changing it up, adding new things to it. And so, yes, it's uh, the, the working with the website is one of my more fun design activities. I know, and you've really taken off with graphic design. When I first met you, that was not in your repertoire, but oh. every time I head over to your website, I see more and more goodies. Oh, it has become big time. <laughs> um, it It is now a toss-up of which I like better, writing or designing. Yeah. And it is it, it's just a constant source of enjoyment. I not only with, and I know you're going to talk about my YouTube channels a little bit later, but I do the the videos, the book trailers, and just about you know book, something, any bookish thing. Uh, I'll do a, a a video about it. I have fun doing it. I love that. And I've even gotten into digital art. Oh. And I have a page on my website that has the digital art that I've created. And so yeah, yep. uh, the design phase has become a very big part of what I do. Oh, I love that. So creative and so fun, isn't it? It is. Yep, yep, yep. 
All right, well, let's get into your book. This is a new style of writing for you, a cozy mystery series. Before we head into the uh, meat of the book, what makes a cozy mystery cozy? <laughs> well, this is a, is a complete 180 flip from my crime thrillers. In the crime thrillers, the crime takes center stage. Um, my characters are there, and I'm able to develop them somewhat in relationship to the crime, but the whole focus is on solving whatever is, you know, the, the skullduggery that is going on. In this book, it is completely the opposite, where the focus is on the characters and those relationships and how the crime is affecting them. And so it's, uh, it, it, it really is a different style of writing because it's making me go into a lot deeper into personal relationships and how those build and how those can be developed within the storyline. So that's where this one is a little bit different in that it's more of a mystery that, you know, got a non character that is or a character that's a, not a cop that's trying to solve and that's another big distinction in this book my characters have always been some type of law enforcement whether it's an fbi agent a deputy sheriff a sheriff you know homicide detective a u.s marshal a special ranger in this book not a single lead character is a cop <laughs> How did you feel? How did yeah? How did you feel writing that? Did you feel like your hands were tied or your? your you? ah, this thing flowed. I did it in six weeks. I literally wrote eighty five thousand. That's the, the book came in a little over eighty, but I literally did that in six weeks. I could not believe how it just. It was like the story was there. All I had to do was put it on paper, and uh, now it took almost five months to do all of the phases that you go through to get a book ready to publish. <laughs> but the writing of it only took about six weeks. Yeah. I love it. Well, now we need to have a peek into the book. So give us an idea of what the book is about. Uh, well, to I'd have to step back and tell you how the background of this thing started. I work and my plot inspirations have always come from something that I see or something that I read. And you can go back and, and you can see my story behind the fiction that I put at the end of these books, where that inspiration came from. It might be a news article. It might be a picture. In this book, it was poker chips. Uh, a friend of mine <clears throat> happened one day, we were discussing books, and she's one of my biggest fans, and we were talking about plots, and she said, you know, they found some poker chips over in a museum when they were doing a renovation of it, and she sent me an article about it. It was rather intriguing. I said, well, you know, send me what you've got. And back in the 30s and 40s, there was a Dallas mobster. He was, he controlled the gambling syndicate in Dallas. This is real now. Mm -hmm. fiction. This is real. And he wanted to move into the Fort Worth and start taking over those gambling casinos, and he became involved in, in, uh, with the Topple Hill Terrace, which was a very famous restaurant at that time in Arlington. 
And he moved in, took over this restaurant, and put his gambling business in the basement. And he had tunnels, and he had hidden rooms and all of this so that if he got raided, they could hide the, you know, all of the gambling equipment, and people could escape out in the tunnel and whatnot. But anyway, when they renovated this museum, it was this old gambling casino, they found these poker chips. And for a long time, I pondered, what could I do with those poker chips? <laughs> How could I weave those poker chips into a story? And I did, and it's deadly keepsake. So that's the background of how this story got started. And then I had to come up with my characters. And my lead character is a nurse. And she runs into a spot of trouble where her hometown and where her home state up in Michigan. And she ends up in, uh, in Texas and has a it's like she stepped off into never never land. She she inherits the money in a house and and it's got all kinds of things going that house. <laughs> because it was built by her great grandfather, who was the crime lord of the gambling syndicate in Dallas. <laughs> so there's lots of stuff going on in it. Oh my gosh. I love that I love that you pull from real uh, real life situations. And it's just pretty neat that these chips were left behind. Probably no one in the world has given them a second thought or ever would. And here you are creating this beautiful story around that. I think that's just fascinating. Yeah, the original chips had RM on them, which related to the gambling casino. On mine, the chips that I designed have RD, mm -hmm. uh, because that's the, the gambling casino that I create in the fictional part of the, of the book. so And that's what's on the cover. Mm -hmm. Those poker chips are on the book cover. Okay, all right. Along with the house that she inherits that's got all kinds of secrets that she's been forewarned can kill. Oh, so you never are far from your roots. I mean, you still draw on all of that <laughs> previous experience of yours. But as you say now, oh. now you're a little more character-driven. Yeah, this was character-driven. Not plot, not the crime per se, but how the crime affected these characters and how they have dealt with it. And uh, it's um, a lot of intrigue, a lot of intrigue. You know, just thinking about your previous experience, you never, in all of your working years, probably gave much thought or had much time to give thought to the actual people and their lives and their personalities when you're trying to solve a crime. It's basically the facts, the nuts, the bolts. And so for you to now be able to write this story from that more human perspective probably feels feels a bit different. It does. It does. Um, you do have some impact, uh, you know, with with the emotions of the yeah. people that you're dealing with, for the most part, they're negative. Right. You know, either someone's upset because of something that you're doing or they're upset because of something else that someone else has done or you've got the grief. So, you know, there's a lot of negative emotions that a, a, an officer has to daily deal with. Mm -hmm. But it's also, there's a lot of good points yep. and a lot of good emotions that can come along with that. And so in this case, it's, you know, if I'm able to develop the emotional side of these characters, and not only as it relates to the crime, but also how their personal life is developing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've got some pretty doggone good characters. I, it's, <laughs> I would term it the characters that you love 
<laughs> and the characters that you love to hate. To hate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a, there's some interesting things. It's been it was a hoot to write. That's all I can say. It was a hoot to write. It's so funny. You say you've got some pretty good doggone characters. Well, that's a great way to describe <laughs> your <laughs> Excellent. You know what I also enjoy is that you do include the story behind the story, you know, why you wrote the book at the end of each of your novels. I think that gives some valuable insight for the readers. It does. It does. And um, there's actually only one book that I haven't done it with that was going on. But every other book, I have added that section in as to the story behind the fiction, you know, just like U seven nine. That was Governor Abbott, the, the Texas governor, signing a bill into law that created a, a you know the Texas version of Fort Knox, and how that applied to the assets that were owned by Texas A and M University and the University of Texas, which amounted to like twenty two plus tons of gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that all came about because of that article that I read. So, yeah, I think that ad, and I've had a lot of readers tell me that they really like that ad, mm-hmm. that they they see a little bit of the inside of what went in to create the story. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned and that. I was going to say, have you heard back from readers as far as that uh, little oh, bit of yeah. Yeah, story behind the story? Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. They, they, they seem to like that uh, that I've added that in. And, and I'll tell you what, I've really had some interest with this one because I based it in Granbury, Texas. Mm-hmm. Most of my, well, matter of fact, every single one of my plots is either based in Texas or has a connection to Texas. And in this particular case, it was Granbury, Texas. And I've had a lot, you know, I shouldn't say a lot. I've had several uh, individuals who are already beca- uh, familiar when I sent out my advanced review copies. They love what I've said about Granbury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's getting the book some interest as well. Oh, that's true. If they, they probably have a bookstore or the library or whatever there. You could they probably, do. yeah, I would they get do. get that book in there. Do a book signing there. I think that'd be awesome. Yes, it's Arts and Letters, which is on the downtown square. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of the research for the book, um, and I have done this with other books. I've gone out and actually looked at the locations and uh, to see, you know, just get a little bit more firsthand knowledge with them. Uh, and that's what I did. I went over and just spent the day at Granbury, fell in love with the town. It's just remarkable. And I could not have picked a better town or a location, in my opinion, than Granbury for a series, which is what this is. And this is something new, too. All my other books are all standalones. This is mm-hmm. the first time that I have started and, and attempted a series. And there's a lot of things that can get brought into a, a plot <laughs> in Granbury. I've driven through there. I think we used to make quite a bit of uh, cross-country trips. And as I recall, there's an old opera house there. It's a very quaint oh, town, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> the, the opera house is awesome. Uh, matter of fact, the chandeliers in that mm-hmm. opera house became the template for the chandelier that's in the house that Tory Winters, which is what the book oh. is, Deadly Keepsake, a Tory Winters mystery. 
and what she has in the house that she has inherited. Oh, it's awesome. Beautiful. <laughs> it is. I remember going through that town. We didn't spend much time, but it was very quaint. And I remember that opera house is right on the street. It's like part of the, like yes. part of the storefronts, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a really cool town to build this series in because oh. it's old. All kind of cool things could be happening. Yeah. Did you know that there is a legend that John Wilkes Booth was not killed by the, you know, the army yep. at the time of President Lincoln's assassination, he ended up in Granbury and Glenbow. <laughs> really? So, yeah, they have a legend that actually he he escaped and uh, and ended up uh, in, in this part of Texas. So, I, you know, I've been wondering, what can I do with that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I, I believe that. I mean, the, the, the history we've been taught is not, not oh. necessarily true history. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of legends and, you know, and it's just going to be really interesting to see. And <laughs> as soon as I get this book up and fully running, then, then I'm starting on the sec, the next book in the series. So. Oh, wow. This is exciting. So this debuted July 1st. Yes. It goes live on July the 1st. Uh, right now it is still up for pre-sale. Okay. Um, you can order the ebook, but it will go live on uh, July the first for all editions, print, ebook, and hardback. Excellent! Oh my gosh, I love this. is exciting for you. So we talked about the cover. We know where the cover came from. Did you do the cover art? Yes, ma'am, I did. Yep, that's all my design work. Of course, it is. <laughs> you wouldn't want to farm that out. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I love designing the covers. Matter of fact, I already had the covers designed for the next two books, but I don't want to reveal the names on them yet because they could possibly change, they but could I've already change. got the covers. I know where I'm going with the next two books. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. If you have the covers yeah. done, that gives, that gives you, uh, at least a, a bit of a roadmap. But, uh, yeah, I've done the, I've done the covers for all of my books. Matter of fact, I have done books now for... I've done over 40 books for other authors, and I've done all the cover design, the interior formatting and whatnot. That's another fun part of what I do is working with other authors because I learn from them. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's, uh, that's been a, a very real value. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the services that you do offer for authors, because I know you and I have talked when I've needed to refer people to you. So share what it is that you do so perhaps other authors who are listening uh, can give you a contact if they need help. Well, basically, you know, first of all, I, I don't mind talking to anybody if they have questions about how to go about publishing or, you know, how to get their, their book to market. Um I just enjoy talking about anything about books. But as far as what I can offer, they send me the manuscript. Basically, I turn it into a finished book form. I do all the interior formatting. I set everything up. I do the cover design. I can help them with actually loading to whichever site that they, retail sites that they want. Uh, there's a, you and I have had conversations about this before as far as the landmines that are out there that, you know, for authors that can really step in one. I know I've done it myself on a few occasions, and I've learned from them. And it's not an easy process um, if you're, you know, planning on publishing your own and your books yourself. 
So, yep. I created a publishing company to handle all of mine. Right. So if folks need help uploading or with, with cover design or, like you said, any kind of questions, just feel to feel free to reach yeah. out to you. I just spoke with a gentleman yesterday who is struggling with KDP because he's never done it before. And he said he's been on the phone with them three times. And you came to my mind, but I wanted to chat with you today to make sure that um, oh, yeah. you're still doing those things. I'd be happy. Yeah, tell him just to send me an email. You have my email address, yep. Anita at anitadickerson.com. Send me an email. Give me a phone number. Be happy to talk with you. I don't charge for it. Yeah, uh, to me, it, it's my way of giving back on a lot of this now, you know, as far as helping someone else. And uh, be happy to talk with you. Absolutely. You're great. So your email is Anita at AnitaDickison.com. And we'll have all of that on our site so that folks can uh, yep. find out. All righty. Let's uh, talk a little bit about your book trailer. I know you probably put put that together, too. <laughs> I do. As a matter of fact, I'm working on two right now for Deadly Keepsakes. Um, I have a blog tour that is starting on July the 19th through Lone Star Literary Life. And I'm going to be doing a nice giveaway if uh, uh, anybody wants to, you know, check in. They can see... On my website, I'll have information, and I also put it out in my newsletter. Uh, but um, I'm doing the videos for this blog tour, and they that's where they will debut, and then they'll be up for viewing on my YouTube channel. Uh, but that's an interesting process, doing videos. It's uh, another learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> And do you help authors with that if authors want a book trailer? Yep, yep. I've done book trailers for other authors as well. Do you find that those help? Uh, how do you find that those help? Maybe that's the question. Visual. You have visual. You have the music. You you know, it's, um, it's a different way of communicating information about your book something that's going to entice the reader to say, hey, I want to go over and I want to read what this is about. Uh, the two that I have done for Deadly Keepsakes, one is a book trailer, but the other is an excerpt where I have taken a section of the book and turned it into a video. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, to, it's, but it's all about, you know, communicating, advertising, mm-hmm. You know what the book is about, right? To to make people say, you know, I'd like to go read that, see what it's about, right? And in di- and in different ways too. And you also then have yeah. a YouTube channel, so that just expands that promoting idea, right? I have I started one YouTube channel, which is my author's world. I I keyed in on setting this up as kind of my logo. Uh, I shouldn't say kind of, it is my logo, and Author's World. And I do tote bags that have Author's World on the side. I do coffee cups. I do pens. I do all kinds of book swag as well. But uh, that's what the one YouTube channel is, my Author's World. And it's the videos that are about my books. Then I started, when I started branching out with other types of videos, 
I created a second one, Book Chatter and More. This is the name of my newsletter, and that's, so that's where that title came from. But this is for anything else that's bookish. Um, and I've got uh, videos up for other authors. Uh, in addition to the to just a regular video that has music and pictures and whatnot, I also do doodly. Are you familiar with doodly? I do not know a doodly, but I need to know. <laughs> it is another software program, but it looks like you've got a hand that's actually drawing doodly. It's just the cutest concept ever. So I have done some doodlies, and those are over on my uh, book chatter and more YouTube channel as well. So it's um, it, it's it's a way of getting information out for other authors and and working with other elements of books other than just my book. Right, right. And then that dovetails in with your column titled On the Hunt. Yep, yep. I had, this started, On the Hunt started back several years ago when I was a, uh, the fiction editor for an online magazine. And uh, um, that kind of went away, and I didn't do anything with the column for a while until I joined forces with five other authors, Lauren Carr, Harry Bovey, Shelley Lanton-Stroud, uh, Cindy McDonald and J.C. Gatlin, and each of those authors are just awesome in their own way, I mean, as far as what they write and what they've accomplished, so I feel very honored to be part of this group. But we started a website called Mystery Review Crew, and on this, each of us puts up blogs every month, and that's, I have revised my On the Hunt column <laughs> for Mystery on the Re- Mystery Review Crew, website, and I put up articles about other people's books, things that are going on that deal with mystery, and it's um, it's another fun endeavor. You're doing so much, so busy. How do you have time to get all of this done? <laughs> I'm retired. <laughs> There's a good answer. That means that my hours are my own. I can get up and start as early as I want, and I can stay as late as I want. <laughs> And you do. <laughs> I do. I have lots of fun. Oh, my gosh. I have lots of fun. I never thought retire, but this is not what I imagined my retirement would have been when I retired from the department. Oh. It's fun. How did you start? I mean, obviously, when you retired, you didn't think you were going to do this. How did you get involved oh. in writing? No, I, I, I actually started an accident reconstruction business. Because the last several years that I was with the department, I was in the traffic division as an accident, advanced accident investigator and, and whatnot. And so when I retired, I had to do something. I just, uh, I, you know, so I started my own business and it was Texas Crash Report Services. And that was, um, a film producer out in California saw my website and they were looking for an, an investigator, accident investigator for an upcoming reality show that they were getting ready to do. This was back in 2013. And uh, uh, it was about Lee Bowers Jr. Uh, he was a witness to the Kennedy assassination. You talked about him at the very beginning. Uh, and he was uh, in that uh, work for the railroad and was in the control tower 
uh, overlooking Dealey Plaza. Well, three years later, he was killed in an accident, and everybody since then has built this into a conspiracy that he was killed because of what he saw. And they contacted me, and I got so interested in the project, I ended up going on on camera and talking about the accident and whatnot. There's a lot of things background on this that we don't have time to get into, but that's what kick-started it all. Mm-hmm. I ended up writing a book. I was so fascinated with it in my research. I had enough for a book, so I wrote it, and I found, hey, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot more fun than working reconstructing accidents. <laughs> So I shut everything down. I started taking writing courses through on, you know, different online places and learning how to do all of this. And it's just been a slow building process ever since then. And, you know, just taking, learning one thing, adding that to what I already knew and just yep. keep building. Don't you love how life kind of organically takes us on this journey and we oh, just roll along yeah. with it? <laughs> yeah, a phone call. Yeah. You know, the fact that, because originally I told them no, I wasn't interested, because they were three weeks away from filming this thing, and I wasn't about to go on camera and talk about something I didn't know anything about, right. but they wanted me to take a look at the material, I did, they sent it to me, and it, did, it didn't take, I don't think, ten minutes before I looked at it, and I said, my God, they've got the wrong location. Oh. And even Geraldo Rivera had done a back in the 90s, had done an episode for his show on the same topic. They had a guy standing out on this bridge pointing, you know, okay, this is where he was killed. It didn't even exist in 1966. Everybody, and the the film company had already gotten with with the Texas Department of Transportation to get the permits to shut down the freeway. It didn't exist in 1966. The state hadn't even bought the land until several months after Lee Bowers was killed. So everybody had the wrong location. So that got my interest. Could I find out the right place? <laughs> and that's where it is from there. Yeah. Oh. I said yes. Oh. oh, I love that. I remember we talked about this several years ago, but I needed a refresher. That is fascinating. And when I said earlier that often history that we believe is history really isn't, there's a prime example. If you hadn't come along to straighten that one out, nobody would know. Yeah, it was. that was probably the most challenging book that I have ever written mm-hmm. because I literally had to go back and look at every single element of this accident and the procedures that were in place as they were in 1966. Yep. Back in those days, even the ambulances were not what we have today. They were owned in the smaller towns like where this happened. They were owned by the funeral home. Mm-hmm. So if you had an accident, here come the ambulance, and they had two choices. They'd load you up and take you to the funeral home, or they'd load you up and take you to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And no medical training. A lot of times there was only one person with the ambulance. I mean, literally, they just, you know, hauled you whichever direction you needed to go. And uh, so it's completely different set of circumstances and every single thing that that I did in looking at this I had to look at it as to the standards that existed and what what was life like even the farmer that was out on his tractor and sees this accident he's got no cell phone mm-hmm. he's got to get back to his house call I mean even those things little pieces of information like that 
played a you know a significant role in what happened, mm-hmm. and uh, it was an interesting book. It really was oh. interesting. Book. There's the co- right. there's the cop in you, right? Yeah, I had to find <laughs> out. <laughs> hey, let me tell you what: cops are the nosiest people that there are. <laughs> it comes with the territory. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I would imagine so. I mean, to do a good job, you have to know everything and things you wouldn't even think you needed to know. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a situation where you have one cop car and then you've all of a sudden you got two or three or four? Mm-hmm. I look at it and go, oh, it must be a slow night. <laughs> <laughs> They're all showing up to find out what's going on. <laughs> oh, it's like ants to a picnic, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah like I say, as an entity, there is no one that is more nosy or curious. There you go. I gotta find out what's going on. Oh my gosh, I love talking with you. This is so exciting. We wander about, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) Well, as we begin to bring it back in, anything we missed, especially as it pertains to your new book, Deadly Keepsakes? No, I think you've done an excellent job as always in touching on the basis of, you know, what I've got going. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, share websites again and everything we need to know as a final reminder. Okay, the website is anitadickason.com. And that last name is D as in David, I-C-K-A-S-O-N. So anitadickason.com. Right, simple. My friend, what a pleasure to speak with you. I woke up in the middle of the night last night thinking, oh, wow, I get to talk to Anita today. So you you always make me smile, make my day. And everyone needs to head over to anitadickison.com, new book, Deadly Keepsakes, and then check out all the rest of her. I know you've just given us a lot of exciting things to think about today. You're always the best. Thank you for spending time with me again. Oh, my pleasure, Pat, as always. I love you. I love you too.